Welcome to In Studio from Simply Timeless. I'm Jade Andrews. This week we bring you an interview from earlier this year featuring bassist and vocalist Jen Hodge. When we recorded this, Jen was staying with her parents in her hometown of Courtney, British Columbia, Canada. Our discussion focuses on her musical journey from playing bass in the high school band to eventually making her mark in New York City. We begin with family. Here's Jen Hodge. My mom and my dad are here in this house with uh, that I've been staying in, that they've been very graciously um, sheltering and feeding me in for about a year. <laughs> um, and then I have a younger brother um, who he and his wife live about a six minute drive from, from this house. And um, they had their first child um, about three and a half weeks ago. So I have a new baby nephew. I'm an auntie. Oh. Um, so it's, yeah, I know. It's been... Auntie Jin. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, it's definitely been special that you know, I would normally be so far away. So to be around for... Um, for this stage in my brother's life is, is really sweet. It's like quite lovely to see him step into the role of a parent and it's lovely to see my mom finally have a grandchild that she's wanted for so long and yeah just to be a part of my nephew's life from the get-go is something that wouldn't have really happened if I had um if things had all gone according to plan so uh, you know I'll take that that's that's a nice thing yeah I think other than that, my, my dad's originally from Vancouver and um, my mom's originally from Preston in the north of England. Um, so we don't actually have a lot of, uh, I didn't didn't grow up with extended family in our immediate community so much, but they're actually kind of spread out all over the world. So when the pandemic's finished, maybe I can reconnect with some of them. Do you come from a musical family? I mean, were they musically inclined or were they more or less listeners and then you became the performer? As far as I understand, I'm kind of the first performer in the lineage, but um, but both of my parents play music for fun. My dad plays guitar and when he was um, when he was like a probably a teenager and or younger, he also played clarinet. We have his old clarinet. I've never heard him play it, but um, but apparently that's a thing he did. And he used to be yeah, a choir you know, cocktail. Could be cocktail hour music, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's right. If I make a strong enough cocktail, maybe we can get my dad to play the clarinet. <laughs> um, and my mom, um, my mom is a flute player. She did, um, she's kind of, got an interesting story. She she always wanted to play the flute of all things. And she was the youngest child in her family and her two older siblings had had music lessons and hadn't practiced. And so by the time it got to be my, my mom asking for music lessons, her parents said like, oh, well, your brother and sister didn't really, they kind of squandered that opportunity. So we're not gonna bother with you. And then she got to be, she got to be in her mid thirties and she was like, I still want to play the flute. And so she started taking lessons and she did, um, she went through the, I think she did grade eight, maybe grade 10, even Royal Conservatory. And, um, 
and played in the concert bands here in this community. And um, so that's cool. And then she also plays English folk music. Um, she plays English concertina, which I've been learning, trying my hand at since I've been here. Um, and penny whistles and um, wooden flutes, that kind of thing. So I grew up with quite a, an array of different music in the house. Like we, we, had, um, we had folk music at home and classical music and uh, classic rock. And my dad listened to some kind of experimental new age music from the 80s and early 90s. I know no one ever expects that one. <laughs> Um, and you know, like movie soundtracks, we had, we had a, there was usually music playing in the house when I was growing up. Was there jazz in the house? No, that's one thing that there wasn't. My parents really scratched their heads when I started getting into jazz, but it didn't stop me. The question I want to ask is not only how did you discover jazz, but specifically what you would call vintage jazz, because a lot of what I hear from you is the jazz of the 20s and the 30s. I mean, we're digging deep into the archives. How did you discover that music then? I mean, it just kind of happened. I just kind of followed the path and one, one foot at a time, and I wound up there. But, um, but I, I, my first um, exposure to jazz was definitely through high school. Um, so first of all, there weren't a lot of bass players in my town. So I was, I was playing electric bass starting from when I was 11 because um, I wanted to be a rock star. And when I got to be about 16 um, in grade 11, my band teacher said like, okay, Jen, you're representing the school now. You're in the senior jazz ensemble and we're going to be traveling to festivals and you know playing at the assemblies and everything and and uh so you need to play the real bass referring to the upright bass yeah and and i of course was a bit insulted i was like oh the riff's so big oh you don't see those in rock bands i just oh, that's like not who i am oh well it turns out it uh, is who i am <laughs> but he gave me the alternatum of you have to you have to learn to play this and you have to do it pretty soon because we've got our first performance in about three weeks. And if, if you flat out refuse to learn the upright bass, then we'll just get the we'll, we'll just get someone else to take, you know, the person who came in second in the audition can have the chair or whatever. So I was like, oh, fine. OK, mom, dad, can someone pick me up with the truck, please? Thank you. Like, um, but I took it home and I started messing around with it. And I was like, Oh, this instrument is amazing. Maybe I shouldn't tell anybody I'm going to ruin my rock and roll reputation. Oh, no. Um, yeah, but I, I really had an affinity for it, right out of the gate, which I hadn't been expecting. And um, we were, we've kind of been inseparable since then. Yeah, I think just the broad range of possibilities on that instrument um, really appealed to me. The, that senior band was grade 11 and 12, and there were some kids in grade 12 who I thought were really cool, and they were really into jazz, and um, they needed a bass player, and I was the bass player, so they asked me to start playing with them, um, which was great, and that that was a that was a really nice um, nice way to kind of get in a, a foot in the door with 
Um, they listen to a lot of Blue Note jazz, which I really love, you know, like they were listening to folks like Cannonball Adderley and Miles Davis and um, Herbie Hancock. So having, having an entry point into that kind of music through people who really loved it rather than being like through school saying you need to learn about these was was a nice way to get into that i think um then i went off to music school when i finished high school and i got exposed to traditional jazz or vintage jazz or hot jazz whatever you want to call it through um in my first few days of school really in in Vancouver. I went to Capilano University. I'm sure they'd appreciate the plug. Um, <laughs> I met in my first few days people who I'm still friends with now, such as Bria Skonberg and Evan Arntzen. We all went to school together and they were already playing in a band together that, you know, played gigs and traveled to festivals and stuff. And um and you know they're just really lovely people and I thought the music was so fun and had so much energy in it but you had to be really good at music to play it well so that combination of like skill and joy and spontaneity and creativity and fun really appealed to me so I really quickly became friends with those guys and I, I started eventually subbing for they had a tuba player in that band I didn't play tuba yet at that point but um, I'd sub on the bass if the tuba player couldn't make it and I would go hang out at their gigs. So um, that has a lot to do with uh, with how I got into that, which, which I mean, that's kind of crazy. That was like almost 20 years ago. Hmm. I don't know. Does that does that make uh, you feel old? Yeah. I don't know. Not really. I'm not so bothered about about my age, the way a lot of people are. It's more like, it kind of feels exciting. It's like, ah, oh, this thing that I love has been a part of my life for 20 years. That's so great. So would you consider yourself an old soul because you are attracted so much to this trad jazz? Oh, I, I don't know. I might be an old soul and I wouldn't necessarily say that's because I'm attracted to early jazz. I mean, I'm, I'm also into like, Baroque performance practice and like Shakespeare and um, I don't know. I'm definitely, I've been reading a lot about Arctic explorers from the Victorian era lately. I don't, I think, I think I am somebody who's interested in history, especially in social history, but more because I think it tells us a lot about why things are the way they are now and there's a lot to be learned from that um then i definitely am not somebody who romanticizes the past uh, no part of me thinks oh i wished i i wish i lived in a time where i could have gone to see a shakespeare play while he was directing it himself like no i don't want to live in 17th century england that must have been awful <laughs> Oh yeah, the Roaring Twenties, there were so many great parties, but things were so bad for so many people. And things were a lot worse for women then than they are now. I think, I'm sure I wouldn't have been able to have a full-time jazz-based career if I was trying to do it a hundred years ago, so. What attracted you most to the bass? When I was 
um, 10 or 11, I was at the point in school where if you wanted to play in the concert band in grade 7, 7th grade, um, at the end of grade 6, you had to fill out a form where you picked um, in your top three instrument choices in, in order. And uh, right around that time was when I had had the epiphany of like, oh, I'm I'm going to be a professional musician and I'm going to be a rock star. And so out of the list of band instruments, I picked the ones that that you could play in a rock band and they didn't allow guitar in the concert band at school, but they did allow electric bass. Um, so that was my first choice. And then I and then percussion and then saxophone were my three choices and and i'm sure when they went through those um those forms it was probably like okay flute 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 clarinet flute flute some kid wants to play the electric bass we don't even have to twist somebody's arm oh great okay she's yeah so so there was definitely that but then at the same time we had we had some guitars at home and i was trying to mess around with them and uh i was you know getting getting books out of the library on like chord shapes or like songbooks that had little diagrams above them of 60s songs and stuff and i did have trouble making the shapes and so when i when i my um having gotten this place in the in the school concert band on electric bass my my cousin gave me an old one it was like an old small scale electric bass and when i got that i was like oh i only have to play one note at a time oh i like this a lot better than guitar <laughs> so there's that it, but i did i did really in, enjoy like i've always enjoyed that like support role of the bass it just feels really nice i don't know like the way that it fills out the rest of the the sound and it just kind of like elevates and holds and lifts just feels good to do that it feels good to be supported by that and even even if you had asked me when i was 12 how i felt about that i might not have had the words like i did i did like that you know to borrow some wording from your last album you helped to lay down the groove with oh, the bass yes yeah. yes 100 it's very important and i'm going to come back to that album in a moment when did you start to sing and play the bass mm. so i definitely always sang while practicing and when i was playing rock music as a teenager i was singing backups Probably not very well, let's be honest. Um, but I started like performing while singing and playing the upright bass when I put my Gen Hodge All-Stars project together, which was in um, was the first Gen Hodge All-Stars gig was on my birthday, November 13th in 2010. Um, yeah, it was specifically because um, the guy who ran uh, a weekly swing dance in Vancouver at that time, now, well, not now, pre-pandemic, <laughs> there, there were a lot of different weekly swing dance events in Vancouver, which was really great. But back in, back in 2010, it was like this one monthly um, dance. 
Anyway, so there were only so many bands around at, at that time, and this guy, he had a cancellation from one, and then he had different group that I was leading called the Company B Jazz Band with three vocalists. Um, me not being one of them, I wrote a lot of the arrangements, but um, I did not sing in that band. Anyway, he had that band booked the following month, um, so he had called me and said like, hey Jen, I've had this, I've had this last minute cancellation from this band I had booked for this month and I'm, and I'm kind of stuck, like I can't, I can't book Company B because I have you next month and I can't book whoever else it might have been because I had them last month and like there's just kind of, I'm a bit stuck, is there any chance you could you'd be willing to like put something together for me. And I was like, well, if I'm free, I'd love to. Like, what's the date? And he says, November 13th. And I was like, oh, that's my birthday. And he's like, oh, never mind then. I'm like, no, 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 I would love to put a bunch of music I love together and play it with all my closest friends on my birthday. That's perfect. Um, so, so I did and I programmed stuff that I decided I was gonna sing because I like when I was practicing I was always singing when I was learning tunes I was always singing when I was driving in my car which I did a great deal of back then I, I was always singing um yeah so so it was uh it was really with that project that I started performing while singing lead or singing unaccompanied you know unaccompanied that's the wrong word you know what I mean I think I do, and I hope our listeners know what you mean too. If not, I'm sure. If not, I'm sure they'll call me and let me know. <laughs> okay, great. Now, life eventually led you outside of Vancouver. In fact, when I first heard of your work, you were still living in Canada, and I think I was just getting ready to move to Pennsylvania at the time, because this is back in 2018, I think. And uh, yeah, I moved to Bethlehem in December of 2018. And not long after I got word through social media that Jen Hodge, the one and only Jen Hodge, was coming to the big city. What led you to New York City of all places? Well, I mean, it was kind of a natural progression of my career, I think. I, I, um, being based in, I was based in Vancouver for 17 years, and um, I spent eventually I was spending at least as much time gigging in Seattle as I was in Vancouver. They're like, it's like two and a half hours drive between them, especially if you went at the times of day I did. Takes other people a lot longer sometimes. Um, anyway, I, I, I was working really hard in the Northwest and it was really great. I had so many, so many opportunities that I'm so grateful for and met so many people that, that I love and, um, continue to work with and hopefully will work with a lot more again after the pandemic's over. But I did find every every few years there tended to be a bit of a mass exodus from the area where like a batch of people that had gotten to a certain point and just like wanted to um, wanted to continue to feel challenged musically and professionally. Um, would tend to move often to either New York or New Orleans um, to to kind of advance their careers or just like have access to more and different opportunities. And uh, so a lot of a lot of my friends over the years had made similar moves. And um, 
I just, I got to a point, there was actually a, def a defining moment for me too, where, um, like for a, for a long time, I had I had a weekly gig in Vancouver that lasted for about nine years, which which was amazing. It was such a such a great opportunity for me to hone my um, my band leading skills as well as you know bass playing and singing. Um, but it also really served to to foster a community there in a lot of ways. Like it it was a place where a lot of younger musicians would come and like sit in and learn from people who'd been doing it for a long time and it was also it had been happening long enough that that like musicians who were in the area on tour for example tended to know about it and then they'd come and sit in or they'd ask me if i could hire them for the night which i always said yes to with you know great opportunity so so like it that gig felt important to more people than just me, you know, it was like a community center piece, I guess, in a, in a lot of ways. So, so it meant enough to me for, for so long that like, I wouldn't have left Vancouver because I had that. So, um, in, I get, so it would have been like the end of 28, flipping into 2019 I was playing at the um, Lindy Focus event in North Carolina which it's the biggest swing dance event in North America um, one of the biggest ones in the world I think and um, I was playing at this event for the second year in a row and um, yeah I've been fortunate to play at that event three times so far and uh it involves playing in an absolutely stacked um top of the line big band every night and then also playing in a lot of um smaller ensembles as well so it's a lot of playing and the the caliber of musicianship is very high and um it's just a really a really amazing experience um that i'm really grateful to have had but um this particular year, it was my second time playing this event at end of 2018, and I and I was playing playing it, and and I found myself thinking like, wow, it sure is great to to feel so challenged. Like, oh, I haven't felt this challenged in a long time. I don't think I've felt this challenged since I played this gig last year. Oh that that's an important thing to take note of oh shoot i th i think it's time for me to move wow so so i st i talked quite a few of the musicians who were there were based in new york and so i i started talking to some of them like gordon now and emily asher for example um i I started to ask them like, hey, do you think I should maybe move to New York? And everybody I asked was like, oh yeah, you should definitely move to New York. Yeah, totally, come come on out. We, we would be so happy to have you. Um, so so I was like, whew, okay. I I have to think about when I had, you know, a lot of bookings pretty far in advance. So I, I started to think about how am I gonna extract myself and I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to actually like, quit that beautiful weekly gig that I've had. How am I going to do that? I'm going to try and leave it in somebody's hands. How am I going to handle that? And then the night before I flew back to Vancouver from that trip, I got an email from um, 
from the head booking guy at the venue um, saying like, hey, Jen, I'd been hoping to catch you in person to have this conversation, but like you've been away. It's been so, so like, so hard to, to pin you down. Um, we're, we're at a point where we need to switch up our programming and we love you so much and we're so grateful for everything that we've done for you, but we're, we're gonna discontinue the, the weekly hot jazz night, um, in like six weeks from now or whatever. And I was like, whoa, all signs point to it's time, it's time to move on. Wow. Yeah. So that's that's what happened by by the end of that year i was living in new york and uh, you became an intricate still are an intricate part of the jazz community here uh you were at mona's every week they had a, a jam session uh in mona's in the village i think the way that it worked out was that i actually wound up playing the gig most of the weeks that i was in town um which i i mean mona's it i love New York so much and there are so many things about it that I love. Mona's is definitely my happy place. Mona's is my favorite thing about New York. It's also just kind of like when when I pine for not being in a small town, what I envision is like packed Mona's at two o'clock in the morning and music and hugging everyone in there and like Mona's is really special and I'm really it it was just so it meant so much to me to to arrive and just be embraced by that community right away and you and I were going to play a trio gig with pianist Brennan Ernst uh, he's in Philadelphia these days in fact I met both of you in Lancaster Pennsylvania uh, you were still in Canada and you had come down to play a number of gigs and you were doing a swing dance over uh, in Lancaster. So I drove over and met you. Um, and then we were going to do a trio gig at the Triad Theater over on 72nd. And that was to take place March 20th. And we rehearsed at, um, we did a couple of rehearsals over at Church of St. Edward the Martyr over on, I think it was East 109th. And the last time that I saw you and Brennan was during my last normal visit to new york and that was march 10th of uh, 2020 and then uh i remember uh i said why i said no need to take the subway i said i'll drive you down to mona's and uh then you know i'll go home to pennsylvania and we we knew that things were changing but i don't think any of us knew that uh you know i wouldn't come back to the city for three months and there was quite a bit of change in store for you how hard was it, and I know that our time is limited, but how hard was it to leave New York when you were seeming to just get your feet wet in the sea? Yeah, it was really heartbreaking. It's it's still heartbreaking to be honest. Like it's it's definitely it's definitely really really stung. Like it I I spent I I basically spent a year preparing to make that move i like quit a lot of projects and just extracted myself from vancouver and tied up all these loose ends and made kind of a big show of leaving um and then i arrived in new york and hit the ground running and everything like so like i just i 
so much happened so quickly and I just really felt like I belonged somewhere in a way that I really never had felt before in my life and I so that was that it I just it 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 felt so right and so great and then four months later it I was not only had I felt like I I lost that but I was back in my hometown which was like you know definitely a step down from being in Vancouver <laughs> so like how did how did I wind up back here after all that after all that work and yeah so I mean it's it's totally it's totally been challenging and sad um, and sometimes hard to keep things in perspective because I know I say things like what I just said and it's like oh well obviously it's extenuating circumstances and I didn't I didn't wind up living in my hometown with my parents because I failed at moving to New York to be a bass player and and also my parents are so great and my brother is so great and you know it's it's not like it's not like you know, I'm living in a place where my family resents having me here. Like it, it's, it's, it's really nice. Um, it's, it's, it is just hard to, to, you know, feel so far away, both geographically and emotionally, I guess, from, from a community that I like finally felt at home in. And I hope, I hope I'll be able to reintegrate soon. Well, we'll be waiting for you here in New York. But just like you have your family here in New York, you have your family there in Courtney, British Columbia. Why is it important during this time that you are with your family? Well, I am really fortunate to have a, a family that, that uh, you know, loves me unconditionally and my like I'm definitely the black sheep. They're they're definitely like, huh, you wanna be a jazz musician and you naturally are have a lot of energy in the middle of the night and uh you like to eat weird city food and <laughs> I don't know, like all all of these things. But they but you know, they make they make room for me and that's um I'm really, really lucky for that. I know that it, it, I could very easily just butt heads with them, and um, that's that's not how it goes. And so, so that's 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 amazing that um, that I have a place where I can go and like have have people who care, and like I, you know, I lost all of my work and I'm not a person who had a lot of money in the bank before this so the fact that that I have a place where where I can stay and um like they have a beautiful garden and my mom's an amazing cook so like I'm provided for and like how how amazing is that um yeah, those are those are some reasons why why that's special. And as I've said before too, like I I, I never would have like this is exponentially more family time and like time in the family home than I've had since I moved away when I was 17. So it's like more than half my life ago that I spent this much time with my family. So 
um, even even though the circumstances of of like how and why I wound up back here have have been really tough for me like there there is an element of like oh like I think I'll look back on this time and go wow it's so amazing that I got a year plus with my beautiful family at that like my my parents are both retired but like fairly recently retired so they still have a lot of energy um and none of us is distracted by by like needing to go to work every day so so we've got got that time and the house is big enough that if i don't want to be spending time with them i can uh, come up to my room here and listen to records and play bass and vice versa if they're done with you for the day they can stay in their part of the house but but let's not let's not discount the fact that you have had several projects to handle and one of them uh, was your last album, which I wish I had more time to talk about this, but um, the name of the album is The Girl in the Groove, and women have always been a part of the jazz landscape, even though we may not recall many of them from the early days of jazz. The truth is they've always played important roles, whether it's the vocalists like the Boswell sisters or pianists like uh, Mary Lou Williams, Women have always had an important role in jazz music. And I know that uh, there has not been a lot of inspiration to be found in this past year with COVID, you know, losing all of your work. I mean, it's an extension of yourself. So I know that naturally you say, well, I'm not doing the best that I can or what have you. And yet your work, I think, continues to encourage so many in the field, but especially women. Do you feel that your work does help to inspire other women artists who were trying to hone their own craft? I, th I think so, Jay. And I mostly, I, I wouldn't necessarily have like thought about or assumed that myself, but I do actually hear from, from other, um, other women who are, um, playing jazz and or leading bands um, and yeah I I hear from from women who who say that they they found me inspiring or they felt able to to aspire to something because of because of seeing me do it which is really one of the most incredible things anyone could ever say to an artist really like to have uh yeah that that's that's really that's really profound here's a profound question for you final thought why music <laughs> how do i start i like music is life you know like it's a it it's a it's a sonic representation of life and it i don't i don't have any idea what i would have done without music like my career aside like um just the the way that music makes everything okay is like it's really it's really gotten me through all of life's trials and tribulations as well as joys and celebrations it's like it's it's so it's so absolutely crucial to 
everything that I do and feel. Jen Hodge, our guest during this week's In Studio from Simply Timeless. By the way, as of today, she is back in New York City again, and we are certainly delighted to have her in the neighborhood. Be sure and visit her website, jenhodgebase.com. Special thanks to Jen for joining us, and a word of thanks to you for listening. Until next time, I'm Jay Daniels. This is In Studio from Simply Timeless.